Hey friends, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. My name is Ty Evans. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, so we just got back from Wickenburg, Arizona. Um, and it was a great time. It was super windy. And uh, I go down to Arizona to be warmer than uh, than here in Utah, of course. That's why we, we try to, Sky and I really try hard to book our clinics to where <laughs> the weather will be better. Um, the weather was good except for the wind. So we feel like wind blowing and just kind of, yeah, gl- glad to be out of the wind. Um, but we had a good clinic and the people were amazing. People were awesome. So I want to jump into our clinic debrief for Wickenburg, Arizona. Um, but before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors for this episode, Western Mule Magazine. Um, if you guys didn't know, I write for Western Mule Magazine. I've uh, been writing for them for about, I think about three years, going on four years maybe. Um, but it's a lot of fun. gives me something to, to think about as I uh, create these articles each month. And um, yeah, they're a lot of fun. And Western Mule Magazine is great. Ben and, ben and Anita Tennyson, they're, they're really amazing people, so... Check them out, westermealmagazine.com. They're awesome. So, Wickenburg, Arizona. Clinic debrief. Um, This clinic was at the Boyd Ranch, just outside of Wickenburg, about eight and a half miles outside of Wickenburg, and it was in conjunction with the Boyd Ranch Mule Ride. Um, The Boyd Ranch Mule Ride's a lot of fun. A lot of great people there that run that deal, and and this year... um, there's some really cool people there. It's good to see a lot of friends. And and what's kind of nice about doing the clinic in conjunction with these rides is that people can come to the clinic and then they can go out on the trails and apply it. If you haven't been to one of my clinics, you probably don't know much about us yet. Um, so just to give you a little background, that's that's what we do. We are, uh, that's what we're into. We're into trail riding, mountain riding. I like to pack. I like to I enjoy the mountains, enjoy the trails. Um, I like the outdoors. And besides trail riding and packing, we you know we do like playing with cattle. So that's kind of our our thing is trail riding, packing, and cattle. And so being in conjunction with the mule ride like this, it was just perfect for people because they could do the clinic. And then get right out there on the trail and go ride and apply the stuff immediately. I, we do the clinics as often as we can in a arena setting. And that's just easier because I set up my microphone. It's, it's safe. Um, the arena makes the people stay in there. Uh, we've had some clinics where we do it just out in the open. And you guys wander off. Like, people just wander off. It's amazing how many people just leave... We'll just leave class and, and um, yeah, I notice. It's not like a college class where your professor doesn't care about you. I mean, this is like, I, I care about you guys. I'm there to help you. So I like to do it in the arena for the fence. And the fence isn't to keep the mules in. It's to keep the people in. <laughs> so, um, but the best place to practice this stuff is out on the trail, is out of the arena. See, when you're riding in the arena, it's a little bit more challenging. 
um, in, in some ways, and in other ways it's not, but in some ways it's challenging. The main way that it's more challenging in the arena than on the trail is to ride in the arena, you have to have a plan. You can't just go out and, I mean, if you just ride without a plan and you're just going round and round, I mean, you're going to be bored in about two seconds. So if you've ever been in the arena and you found yourself saying, I'm bored, or, or you guys cop out with your meals, you say, my meal's bored, which, like I said, is a complete cop out, um, you're not riding with a plan. You're not riding with, uh, with the end in mind. You're just wallowing around out there. This is no good. It's no good to ride without a plan. Um, now, the thing that's nice out on the trail is that you don't necessarily have to have a plan because things come up. You're going to go around that bend, and there's going to be a biker that you're going to run into head on. Um, you're going to come up, and then there's going to be a deer in the trail. There's going to be a snake in the trail. There's going to be uh, uh, some hikers, um, some pack llamas. You never know what you're going to run into, you guys. Um, pack goats, been there too. Um, so out on the trail, stuff just comes up. So you don't have to have a plan, although I do. I like to ride with a plan. I like to ride with goals in mind. I want to be better. Um, but in the arena, you it's really difficult to just go out in the arena and just start riding around and see what comes up. That doesn't mean that I don't work my mules from where they're at, because I do. And stuff comes up with the mules, for sure. But I have a plan. So, anyways, that's just a note about riding in the arena. I'll try not to go on too many rabbit holes here for this debrief. Let's start with day one. So, we have three classes at Wickenburg. We have our foundation class, which is all groundwork. We have Mulemanship 1, which is our most popular class. That's that's the class everybody seems to want to get into is Mulemanship 1. Most of our Mulemanship 1 classes for 2021 are just about full, almost all of them. Um, and then we also had Mulemanship 2. Mulemanship 2 is a hard class. It's, it is hard. It's, it's a, a lot of small, intricate, refining moves. Um, you don't get big pats on the back. For mulemanship too, because it's all little pieces. You're trying to just get better. You know, it's uh, it's not as exciting. So it's definitely more challenging for people. Um, we do lots of patterns with cones, um, obstacles if they are there. So, anyways, we had those three classes there in Wickenburg. Um, mulemanship one was full. Our foundation class and our mulemanship two class were really small. There's only uh, four or five people in each of them. And uh, the first day in Mulemanship 1 was a little rough. And uh, my buddy Nathan, um, he's, he's already, he already told me, he's like, oh man, I, oh crap, I'm going to be on your podcast. You're going to talk about me on your podcast. And I'm like, yes, sir, I probably will. So Nathan, if you're listening, pal, um, you knew it was coming. So, but Nathan's awesome, so he don't care. So we had three three little things come up the first day of mulemanship. When the first thing that came up was my buddy Tobin. Uh, he had a he's got a young a young colt. He's he started the last year. This this horse has only been ridden for about a year's worth of time, 
And in, in the meantime, Tobin broke his hip, not on the horse, but he broke his hip, falling through a building. Um, it's a different story of itself. But anyways, long story short, this horse has had a bunch of time off. He hasn't done much with it. So this colt's pretty green. And then they've had a tough winter over there in Colorado where he's been, and so he hasn't done a lot of riding. Anyways, so day one he gets on this horse, and, and this horse gets fired up pretty good, and she wants to, she kind of, she's kind of wanting to run, and she's kind of wanting to scoot. And so he's trying to get this taken care of, and and that's kind of the way, way we started class. And, you know, this is, this first tip I have for you guys is one of the hardest to do, okay? This is difficult. Don't be too hard on yourselves if you can't get it done very often uh, because I've failed at it a million times. But you really need to ride the way you want the horse or the mule to ride. you got to ride the way you want them to ride. And that might not make sense to you, so let me explain. If you want your horse to ride quiet, if you want your mule to ride quiet, you have to ride quiet. If you want them to be relaxed, you have to relax. They are always secondary to us if we're good leaders. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, we're trying to be a good leader. We're not trying to be reactionary. So if you're reactionary to your horse, so let's say your horse gets riled up like I'm talking here, and then you get riled up. What happened there is you just confirmed to your horse that you're a follower, that they lead the show that they, they direct the actions here and that you can't help redirect them. They, don't, they lose that confidence in you. So say they get spooked and they get worked up and, you, and then you kind of get spooked and you're worked up because they are. And this is, oh boy, this is, so I'm telling you, this is hard, okay, you guys. This is hard stuff. Don't, don't be too hard on yourselves because this is tough. Um, but when that happens, we're, we're losing ground, okay? What, you, what you'd like to do, what I would like to do, is when my mule gets upset, gets nervous, gets scared, gets spooked, whatever, I remain the way I want them to be. So I want them to ride quiet, be smooth, uh, be confident. I'm going to ride that way. Now, that doesn't mean I don't take care of myself and prepare myself. I mean, if they're lighting it up and they're bucking, I'm going to ride to stay with it. I'm not going to be like, well, I'm going to just keep riding like they were walking. No, that's not that's not what I'm talking about here. It's your mental attitude. It's how your mind is. You, you know, I'm going to be prepared and take care of myself, but I'm going to try to put out the the feeling that I want them to feel back to me. So, and th- this is challenging. For example. I mean, it, as I'm talking right now, admit to yourself. If this, if this is you, just admit it to yourself. But how many times have you been riding and your mule or your horse or whatever gets spooked? They get scared of something. Maybe it's a plastic bag. Maybe it's a stump. Maybe it's a rock. Maybe it's the same rock they've rode by 500 times. And you say, oh, my gosh. You kidding me? This is the dumbest thing ever. Why are you scared of this? You're so dumb. You know, and you, you get, have you ever been mad at your mule for for being scared? Have you been mad at your mule for doing something, for protecting themselves, for 
using their natural instincts? Have you been mad about that? I have. I've done that. I've gotten mad over them being spooked. It's irritating. It's frustrating, isn't it? You can admit it. This is the follower side coming out in us. We don't want to be followers here. We're trying to be a good leader. That's this whole deal here. We're trying to be good leaders. We're trying to be good partners with our animals here. And if we're just reacting to their reactions, that's not going to help us. So Mr. Tobin, his cult gets bothered, gets worked up. And Tobin, he's kind of fired up. He's, he's, he is frustrated. You know, he is. And he's ready to ride. This cult's taken off. And, he, and he's, Tobin's a good hand, you guys, too. He's a good rider. He's been coming to clinics with me for years. Good man. Good horseman. Um, but he was riding this thing like he's going to take it to the... Uh, I mean, he's just taking it all the way here. And I said, hey, ride that horse the way you want the horse to ride. And he relaxed. The second he relaxed... You know, be careful. You can relax and keep riding. You don't just relax and just go limp. That's not it. See, I can relax and trot. I can relax and lope. I can be relaxed while they're bucking. So I said, relax. Now, he's still riding this horse because the horse is still taking off with him. Okay? So relax. Ride the way you want the horse to ride. He relaxed, and just as soon as he did, this horse came down. Whew. Took a big breath. Relaxed. And it wasn't before long, and it, it lined out. And That was the first thing of the first day. The next thing happened, my buddy Nathan I was talking about. <laughs> He's like, oh, man, I'm going to make the podcast. Yep. So Nathan's got a he, – he brought a couple mules, and he did the he did the foundation class on his mule, Hank, uh, which is just two and a half years old. And then he, he did uh, – uh, he did the Mule Manship 1 class with his mule named Blue. I'll talk about Mule Manship 1 first. Um, so Blue, this is a touchy mule, um, and and Nathan has done a great job. He came to a clinic, and, and I met Nathan last summer. Uh, he came to my place and did a did a four-day semi-private group clinic here in Utah and brought this mule named Blue. And I was impressed, actually, how far he's come with Blue since the clinic event. But... That didn't stop him from having some troubles here, okay? So I didn't see what initially uh, ignited it. Um, but the mule was scared uh, of the roping chute area uh, to walk over there. It was it was worried about it every time he went over there. And anyways, at some point, it's just too much. So the mule can't handle it. It takes off. So it ran across the arena. And if you guys listened to our Cave Creek Clinic debrief a couple weeks ago, um, about Miss Terry and her terrible accident, uh, her mule running off and her coming down. Well, Nathan's mule did exactly the same thing that Terry's mule Ruger did. And if you haven't heard that episode, go back to it and take a listen because there's a lot of good stuff there. But uh, Nathan's mule did the same thing, took off running across the arena. And he was doing good riding with it, staying with it. The problem was is when he got to the fence. And the fence will always get you if you look at it. And that's just what Nathan did. The mule actually made the bend but kind of hit the fence. And when it hit the fence, Nathan kind of slammed into it. And then he just grabbed onto the fence and the mule took off without him. It did catch his foot for a brief second and kind of jerk him down off the fence a little bit. Um, 
Nathan, you know, he, he didn't break anything. Uh, he wasn't hurt too bad. He was sore. You know, his whole side of his leg was sore from slamming in the fence, and he cut his finger. Um, and then I teased him about needing a Band-Aid for a while. But, you know, it's amazing how he could have the same wreck, basically, as Terry had. And he didn't get hurt, so it was no big deal. He went on with it. He got his mule back, and I had him do some groundwork for a little bit. Had him get on. And the rest of the week was great. He did fantastic. Blue did fantastic. But that was the the next incident on the first day there that happened. So we got Tobin's horse uh, kind of fired up. We got Nathan, his mule, running across the arena. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is a rough way to start. So we're going through clinic. We're about halfway through the day, through through the class, that is. And um, we're we're standing around uh, taking que- I'm taking questions, and, and we're discussing some of this uh, stuff here. And Jen Allen, who is actually Tobin's Tobin's wife, um, Jen, she's been coming to clinics for five years and four, four or five years, anyways, and just a good friend of ours. And we love Jen, and she's got a, a mule named Fraggle, and Fraggle's actually a great mule. She's been she's been doing really good. Um, in fact, uh, right before this little incident I'm about to tell you about, we were actually discussing, uh, you know, where Fraggle is and and maybe how long until she's ready to graduate out of the snaffle into the hackamore so this is a good meal anyways you know you've all heard me say that there's nothing out of the clear blue and i believe that there's nothing there's no they don't meals don't do anything for no reason there's always a reason now you may not ever know the reason and this this may apply here jen may never know the reason we have a few ideas but we we don't really know but her mule kind of woke up from a sleep and lit it up and it's she jen's going for a bronc ride and she's staying with it she stayed with it for about four jumps and then she all she did she looked off and quit and she came down didn't get hurt or anything but she just she came down and um just kind of a freak deal uh we we don't know if it's maybe the mule did have a little bit of a gall where the cinch is maybe that it could have just kind of pinched the skin uh, uh, maybe it got bit by a fly or something that the bugs were starting to come out um i don't know i don't know what happened and i couldn't give her an answer what happened and um the one thing that i have seen before and, and this kind of happened last year we was at a clinic in creston washington and uh, the very first day of the class mulemanship one as well and uh, the mules are standing around and and well, I do not want my mule to doze off and fall asleep while I'm sitting on it. So if you watch me ride, I'm constantly moving, maybe asking him to do a little lateral flexion, maybe asking for a soft feel, maybe asking to move a hip, move a shoulder, a little leg yield, a little side pass, a little forward, a little back. I'm constantly doing something while I'm just standing there on my mule. I don't want my mule to doze off because when they doze off and they go just in that little light sleep, they click over to the instinct they click over to a slight self-preservative awareness Um, they kind of let themselves go so they're kind of starting to doze but they're actually their senses um, their reactionary senses actually get a little higher so we was in Creston Washington this mule was dozing off and then I asked everybody I said okay let's go ahead and uh, asked for some lateral flexion and and uh, 
this lady reached down to ask for loud reflection, her mule just lit it up and dumped her on her head just as quick as you could you could blink. It's, what is that about? He'd never done that. What the heck? Well, sometimes you wake them up out of that, and they're kind of on the instinct, and, you know, I'm not saying they see you as a predator, but I'm not saying they don't. And you're kind of in that position, and they just kind of get scared. They just do that reaction. They just kind of spook it, ah, and they just dump you off. And I'm not sure if that wasn't what happened with Jen, too. Maybe Fraggle, her mule, dozing off a little bit. And Jen, maybe all it would take is a little flinch. But you you rarely will see me sitting silent. In fact, you'll never see me sitting silent and, and just not doing, it, not doing something. Uh, I'm always wanting my mule to be aware of me all the time. So Jen gets dumped off, and she's okay. Jen, I, I said in the clinic, and it's so true, Jen is mean, lean, and hungry. That gal, she's tough, and um, she ain't a quitter. So she got a hold of Fraggle, um, went about her groundwork, and she was doing groundwork for a little bit, and she she looked like she was about ready to go get on. And, um, and I said, no, do a little more groundwork. And so she did a little bit more, and... By the end of class, she uh, she actually got Fraggle up to the fence, and then she got back on for just for a moment and did good. The second day, Jen got on and, and rode Fraggle. Fraggle was starting to get a little sore in those cinches, and um, she rode her for a little while, and then the third day she rode her for the full class. But, you know, sometimes stuff can just happen. And now, like I said, there's nothing out of the clear blue. Your mule always has... In their mind, in their mind, they always have a legitimate reason to buck, to kick, to run, or to comply, to listen, and to go with you. There's there's always a reason. They don't do anything just because. All right? So, I don't know what happened with Fraggle. I'm not sure why she dumped Jen off. I couldn't give her the answer. I don't have all the answers. Um, but the lesson to take away there was... Stuff can happen, and it will. No matter how great your mule is, stuff can happen. Um, your mule can trip, and you can come off and break your arm. Your mule can trip, and you can come off, and nothing happens. And you're like, oh, no big deal. Stuff can happen, and it probably will. Okay? But the lesson from Jen is to get back up. Keep working, keep trying, go through the list. Now, Jen didn't just cowboy up and get back on, even though she kind of just wanted to. We had her do her groundwork and go through her list and try to get better. And that's really important to know. Just get back on is not a valuable is not valuable advice. Get back up, do it right. That's valuable advice. And that's what Jen did. So good job, Jen. So that was day one with Mulemanship One. And I, I joke that sometimes Mulemanship One is rougher than our cult starting classes. <laughs> so a lot of times in Mulemanship One, now I'm not the people that I'm I just talked about, they weren't guilt they were not guilty of this actually. But a lot of times in Mulemanship One I see people that don't do any groundwork, they don't do any prep work, they don't do anything, they just get on. And they wonder why they are having issues. But I'm a firm believer you ride what you lead. And it's just so key 
to prepare. I want to prepare my mule. Um, a little bit of information I share at every clinic is this, that just because you put your halter and, and your leader up on that mule, just because you put your saddle on that mule, just because you paid 20000 30000 40000 whatever for that mule, just because you bought that mule a nice barn and a nice trailer and a nice truck to ride in, and just because you bought the be the best bit and the, the nicest hackamore and the nicest bridle, just because you do that, just because you feed the thing, you know what's pretty cool about the mules, that just because you do all that, you are not entitled to anything. We are not entitled to them leading good just because we bought the best halter. We are not entitled to them riding good just because we bought a good fitting saddle. We're not entitled to, to being safe and not getting bucked off just because we hired a trainer for 60, 90 days, a, a year, whatever. There's no entitlement with the mules and the horses, you guys. And I actually really appreciate that. Because they don't owe us anything. So whatever they give you in the positive, it's because they want to give you that. They want to ride with you. They want to do what's best in their minds. They want to go with you. Your mule will never do anything just because you bought them the best hay. They won't do anything just because you bought them the nicest trailer to ride in or you have the best farrier. They won't ever do anything because of that reason. They'll do it because you make them feel good. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So that was that's a lesson that I share at all the clinics. And, and that was, um, there's one fellow there, and I'm not sure if he listens to the podcast or not, but if you do, Joey, hello. So Joey said, hey, you know what, the one of the, the thing I got from this clinic was, was what I just mentioned right there, that entitlement thing. He said, I just really appreciate that. And it, it puts things in perspective because a lot of people will, will use, they'll go out and buy gimmicks and they'll buy gadgets and they do all these things and, and they think that, okay, if I buy this halter, if I buy this gimmick, if I, if I buy this, then my mule should do that. And what I explain is, is you have to teach the mule. You have to teach them. You have to help them understand what it is you're asking. Just because you have that bit doesn't mean that they will do this. Just because you have that saddle doesn't mean they will ride like that. And so he said, hey, thank you. That was the, he called it, that was the best nugget of information he's gotten in a long time. Was that entitlement talk. So I thought I'd share it here too. All right. Now, um, let's see. I got a lot of just little notes here that I'd like to mention here. Um, we had a, a good young man in the clinic. His name was Gage. Gage Owens from Mesa. And Gage brought a donkey to the foundation class. The donkey's name was uh, Donkey. It's pretty easy for me to remember because I do try to memorize everybody's names and their mules' names. And uh, so Gage and Donkey were great. And I just love seeing this next generation coming up having interest 
and it's kind of fun because I got a lot. There's a lot of lately. There's been a lot of uh, young men and young ladies coming to these clinics, ages eleven to, you know, eleven to sixteen, right in there, and they're just really super motivated and they're interested and they want to do good and they they have a lot of interest. And I love seeing that in those young teenage years. Those these, these the the next generation coming up. That's really inspiring to me um, because I do worry about this stuff going away um less and less people are interested less and less people are growing up on the farm and on the ranch and even just in in some kind of riding community or ranching community or this this culture less and less people are growing up in this culture and so i do worry about it fading away and i you know i'm a you know i i, I like to promote the horse and the mule and the donkey and i and i promote this style of life and so it's pretty fun to engage and people his age out there working. And he worked hard. And Donkey wasn't so sure about the groundwork. And, and um, we talked about it because he said, geez, Ty, out on the trail, Donkey will walk out really good. And Donkey's got a lot of energy and a lot of motivation out on the trail. But how come in the arena when we're doing the groundwork, Donkey doesn't really want to do it? And it goes kind of along with the talk I, I introduced in the beginning of this show. They need to know there's something in it for them. So as I'm working, I'm constantly looking for an opportunity to give them relief. So you've all heard of pressure and release, but the whole relief factor doesn't always come in there. You can put pressure on, you can take it off, but that doesn't mean it's relief. So... I was talking to Gage about this. I said, you need to be looking for opportunities to quit. As I'm working with my mules, I'm always looking for an opportunity to to quit. Not for the day, for the moment. I quit for the moment. So I'm looking for opportunities to reward that mule and to offer that mule re- relief through the release as as often as I can. I'm constantly looking for that. And that's why I was telling him to look for this for donkey because it won't be long and they won't be motivated. Um, especially donkeys, they're very logical animals. And so if you're just in the arena going round and round in circles and there's no relief for them, there's no way out, there's nothing getting better, they don't see there's any reason, they don't want to go round and round. There's got to be some relief in there. And that's why we talk about you know, finding the perfect opportunities to quit for the moment. Now, people get hung up on this you know, ending on a good note. They just think that means for the day. So they'll come in there, they'll work, they'll work with their donkeys or their mules for two minutes, and then they just quit. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but your mules, your donkeys need to learn that they can go multiple rounds here. And as long as you're looking for times to offer them relief, they will go all day long for you. But it's kind of like the talk I gave earlier where you got to have a plan when you're working on these things in the arena or the round pen or at home. Out on the trail, it's more natural for them. He says, well, donkey moves out really good on the trail. Well, that's because it's natural. It's natural for these donkeys and these horses, these mules, to travel miles upon miles every day, grazing, looking for water. That's normal. So they have a natural drive for that. But they also have a natural drive to find relief. And if we can fill in those gaps with that and do our work in the arena and at home or whatever, we'll get something done. 
Okay, so Lisa Taka, um, if you guys listened to, oh, I think it was two episodes ago or three episodes ago, Lisa Taka was a guest on my show. Lisa's been hosting our clinics for a couple of years. She's been coming to clinics for six years. Um, She's been to dozens of clinics. She's been to a lot. So anyways, she hosted this clinic again here in Wickenburg. And Lisa is just wonderful. One of the happiest people on earth, I swear. She's always got a smile. She's always riding with a smile. Just very, very happy. And it's just brilliant. It's uplifting. I love it. So Lisa was our only triple dipper. She did all three classes. Uh, she brought three different mules. She brought a mule named Jezebel. Uh, she brought a mule named Ruby and another mule named Katie. We've talked about Katie on the podcast before and that um, when Lisa was on. But I want to talk about Lisa and Jezebel because this is great. So, you know, they say, um, and I have no idea uh, who come up with this, <laughs> but I, I uh, have always heard it said that, you know, uh, one year for a mule is like three years for the human. So Jezebel's going on 30 years old. (laughs) So it's like Lisa was working in class um, with a (laughs) 90-year-old. And um, the mule's in great shape for for being a 30-year-old mule. Great shape, good health. Lisa takes excellent care of her animals. Always the finest uh, for Lisa. It's great. Um, but Jezebel was was not interested in this whole business. The biggest lesson that we took away with Jezebel this week, though, was you have to get the mule... You have to basically build some mental fitness and get the mule to where they are used to looking for the answer. They're used to looking for what you want them to do. Jezebel was completely turned off of that. She was not looking for the answer that we're asking for at all. There was no thought there. She didn't care. Um, She's basically saying, make me. Now, not in the teenager, snotty, make me voice. Not like that. She's saying, no, no, Lisa, you really need to just make me do it because I don't look for answers. So the lesson here was, okay, well, how do we, how do we get, so how do we get Jezebel thinking and working? And you do it by small questions, big rewards when they find the answer. So it was just little stuff, just she started on the ground just clearing the front. Just one little step, reward. And she kind of got Jezebel warmed up. It's kind of like, I remember when I was going to college, I had a class, and every day we'd come into class, and the professor would have some brain teaser, some little riddle to, to solve. Um, it, would, it wasn't a math class or anything. It was just, it, well, it was actually a criminal justice class. That's what I have my, I got a bachelor's degree in criminal justice, and so this was one of the criminal justice classes. And he'd have this riddle. And it would really get us thinking outside the box. It kind of get our brains kind of working, like warmed up, like, okay, well, who really did that crime? You know, it's, and it, it was kind of fun the way he, he would put it in class, you know. But, anyways, you kind of have to do the same thing with the mule. You kind of got to warm them up. You got to ask simple questions. And that's also why we do this checklist and we do this, um, these things in order. We prepare them mentally 
and the checklist is for preparing them physically. They've got to build some physical fitness for each of these moves. You can't just come out and try to do a haunches in. I can't just come out and go rock crawling. I can't just jump out and go climb the top of that mountain. We've got to build some physical fitness. They've got to build some mental awareness so they know what I'm looking for. Um, because I don't want to make them. That's the other thing. I don't want to make them do any of this stuff. I don't want the make me attitude from my mule. I want willingness from my mule. So Jezebel kind of had to get warmed up a little bit, and that was kind of fun. And anyways, in, in Mulemanship one, it, it was kind of the the, la, the just a great laugh uh, for everybody, and it scared the heck out of Lisa. She's working, and Je Jezebel just decides to to drop down to her knees, and she wants to go for a roll while Lisa's riding. And it, anyways, Lisa dives off, and and Jezebel's just laying there. And anyways, Lisa said, "Oh, my my heart jumped. I thought." I thought Jezebel was dying because Jezebel's 30. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I thought. And um, anyways, it was really funny just how much it startled Lisa. Um, but Jezebel's just like, nah, I'm done with this whole Ty Evans clinic. I'm, I'm just going to lay down and <laughs> I'm I'm done. Um, anyways, Lisa got her back up and got back to it. And that was kind of a funny moment of the clinic for sure. So, well... It was a great class. There's a lot of really good people, and I wish, I wish I had the, I could take the time to talk about everybody. But there's some great people. I want to mention a few people that just really uplifted it. You know, Susan Bradley. Um, she had a mule named Cruiser there, and Susan was, she she had just come back from shoulder surgery, and she had injured her back recently, and she was a little worried about being able to participate. She did two classes, foundation and mulemanship one. A lot of people do both classes, and she was one of them. And uh, even with her little injuries, they're not little, I guess, but with her injuries, she she hung with it and did great. She had a smile the whole time. Um, you know, there's a lot of great people there that were just happy. Uh, a lady there named Kathy Budd with her mule trooper. Great questions. I, I love, it's really fun for me when I get these people that come to these clinics and they've been to multiple clinics with me because they have the best questions. You'd think, you'd think the people that are new to the clinic would have the most questions because they've never been with me and asked questions before. It's actually the opposite. The new people don't ask very much at all. They're usually kind of quiet. But the people that have been coming back for years and have multiple clinics, they have the most questions for sure. And Kathy was like that for sure. So that was pretty fun. Um, a lot of great people come to the clinic. Um, I wish I could just go through and name them all, but they all did a really good job. And a big thanks to the Boyd Ranch Mule Ride for hosting us out there, for letting us come to the clinic uh, in conjunction with the ride. A big thanks to Miss Lisa Taka for hosting this clinic. It was, it was just fantastic, and we're very grateful for all the hard work she puts in. And a big thanks to all the participants all the animals. We ended up having 17 mules at this clinic, two horses, or three horses. 17 mules, three horses, and a donkey. Thanks to all them. So, hey, if it's not too much to ask, I would be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star rating and write me a review. I want to know what you think of these podcasts. Let me know how you like them. Let me know your favorite episode. 
Uh, let me know if there's guests you would like me to invite on here. You know, some great mule or horse people you'd like on here, or donkey people. Um, anything, right? Let me know. Uh, you can email me, ty at tsmules.com. And I'm very grateful for each one of you for taking the time to listen. So God bless, and we will see you down the road.